Good morning. Grace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a wonderful, wonderful day as we gather together. This is the first time which we can set this aside, these masks. And so if you're joining us for the first time or the second time, we celebrate. And if you're joining us online, I, we extend a greeting to you wherever you are on God's good creation as you join us online in worship and the live stream. This is the time in which we gather together on this day to, to worship God as a family of faith, faith as, a, as a worshiping community, and we do so as well. This is Father's Day. If you are a dad, a granddad, a dad-to-be, a guy who is child-free, if, if you are relationally distant from your dad, or if you're one whose dad is no longer physically living, or if you have a dad, please stand. There we go, and we celebrate you all. Please be seated. Please be seated. And we remember, we remember what scripture says in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. Amen. It is to God, our Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, the unity of the Holy Spirit, that we're here. That's why we're here as God's beloved children, to worship and serve God. And so join me now in our responsive call to worship from Psalm chapter 6. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. May God continue to bless us. Let all the ends of the earth revere him. Sisters and brothers in Christ, friends, let us worship the living God. We invite you to lift your hearts in praise to the Lord, and we hope to invite you to lift your voices soon as we sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Just 
Well, I don't know about you, but when I was a little girl and I did something bad, I felt my parents withdrew their love from me. Sometimes we think God might do that, but God the Father, no matter what we do, always, always loves us. And yet God invites us to confess our sin and be assured of his forgiveness. Let us join together and read the prayer of confession as printed in your bulletin. Almighty and most merciful Father, we are thankful that your mercy is higher than the heavens, wider than our wanderings, deeper than all our sin. Forgive our careless attitude towards your purposes, our refusal to relieve the suffering of others, our envy of those who have more than we have, our obsession with creating a life of constant pleasure, our indifference to the treasures of heaven, our neglect of your wise and gracious law. Help us to change our ways of life so that we may desire what is good, love what you love, and do what you command. Brothers and sisters, hear the assurance of God's love for us in scripture. For God, our Father, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his Son he loves. Brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Now may the peace of Christ be with you. Take that peace with you as you leave today and share it with others.
lead us in a pastoral prayer, and then we'll invite you to pray the Lord's Prayer with me. Let us come before the throne of God's grace and pray. Most loving Father, you will us to give thanks for all things, to dread nothing. Rather, you invite us to cast all our cares on the one who cares for us. We gratefully come bearing our hearts and soul in prayer of supplication and petition. Renew our spirits this morning with the word heard and proclaimed. Speak through your servant, Pastor Neil, and bring new faith in our faithful Savior, Jesus. We give thanks for new holy days that move us closer to your kingdom present by celebrating the end of horrific practices and calling us to continue the work for justice. We give praise to you, our Father in heaven, who embraces his children who disciplines with love and is long-suffering when we are disobedient. You are our Father, who will not hold affection from us. Bless the fathers everywhere. Strengthen them in faith and help them model a good, good Father, looking to you through your Son, Jesus, led by the Spirit to do your will. Protect the children of our world from abuse, disease, neglect, and bring them to loving fathers and mothers who, whether rich or poor, know the true love that comes from God, which is shared unconditionally. Be with our leaders throughout the world, calling for unity and care, cooperation and vision. Forgive us for neglecting the world where so many still suffer from the pandemic. Help us to be generous in giving and supportive in prayer. In all things, preserve us from faithless fears and worldly anxieties. Grant that no clouds of this mortal life may hide from us the light of that love which is immortal and which you have manifested unto us in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray together, saying, 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
give it up for Danielle and JP and Rob, Steve, Dante, and Jim. They sang that at the 9 a.m. service earlier, and all of our hearts, mine included, went up to the stratosphere. And so if this roof can hold us, I mean, to bless us again. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Friends, as we gather together in this sacred space and prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us look to the Lord in prayer. Holy Spirit of the living God, open our hearts, conform our wills and minds, and transform our lives with your word. Disclose to us your very presence. Direct us with your wisdom and with your love. Speak to us through your word, that which testifies of the living word, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let us reverence the reading and hearing of God's word. Please stand as you are able. A reading from the gospel according to Mark. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. A great windstorm rose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God, holy wisdom, holy words. And everyone says, thanks be to God. Please be seated. We have all been accustomed these past 15 months of the COVID protocols. Consider that preschool-aged kids who lived through this pandemic will be the generation whose memories will be sealed into the 22nd century on what we have all gotten so used to. Mask wearing, physical distancing, washing hands, and covering our noses and mouths. Those, those final two I think is pretty good, even pre-COVID, right? And so we should continue to do that. But you get the point. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Now over the course of the three months on the height of the pandemic, the numbers of infections and of deaths were staggering. That it came to a point that in the midst of those three particular months, it was as if all of us, and me included, were growing numb. We were growing numb to accepting those daily numbers. We were resigned to the familiar reports. Familiarity has a way of resulting into one of three or a combination of three effects. One, familiarity breeds numbness to what is actually not good, like COVID deaths or our politics. Oh, Sacramento is always going to be that way. Washington, D.C. will always be that way. Or those who experience domestic violence. Oh, he or she is always that way. This kind of result of familiarity leads to 
cynicism. Two, familiarity can lead to soothing, soothing comfort, knowing that there is a tomorrow, that the sun will rise and the sun will set. College students knowing that their family is still there. Their comfortable room is still in place, the bed and the desk and the frame still hanging on the wall. The wedding ring on our beloved's hand. The familiar gives reassurance and comfort. There's a third effect and third result of familiarity. The familiar can also breed disrespect, taking one for granted. And we as human beings are quite familiar with this response. The love of our parents goes unnoticed because the laundry is always being done and folded. The food is always warm and ready. The worship bulletin that is always ready and folded, the worship recording or live stream that, we, that is executed at 45 minutes on the dot, but which takes an aggregate of 180 hours or upwards from there. We can easily take what is familiar for granted. We can commodify people, co-workers, friends, neighbors, loved ones, and yes, even God. Familiarity results in cynicism, overcomfort, or commodification. Today's passage in Scripture is a familiar one. It is from the Gospel according to Mark, and Mark, in contrast to Matthew and Luke and John, is one in which they, Mark tells the narrative. Jesus going from town to town, place to place, almost rapid-fire succession. As Jesus shares in word and indeed in his life, disclosing the promise, the power, the presence of the kingdom of God. The kingdom which is not fully disclosed, not fully understood, not fully appreciated until the cross, until his death on Calvary, and until the resurrection. But nevertheless, he goes from place to place, journeying, meeting all sorts of people, all sorts of characters, to invite them to participate, to consider what is God doing in your midst. In the midst of the familiar surroundings, in the midst of your daily hustle and bustle of life, here is what God is doing. Let me point to it, but yet not fully disclosing all of it until, again, the cross and the resurrection. And so today's passage in the gospel is so familiar to all of us, I think, and those of you online, that you probably heard this hundreds of times, perhaps studied it in Bible studies. We, as pastors and preachers, have preached on this text and in other texts like this, perhaps in, in vacation Bible school and in in Sunday school messages. It's a story of Jesus in the boat, and we know this, right? They, he's in the boat with his disciples, and as the text says, that all of a sudden a windstorm rose, the waves were, were pounding the, the boat, and the disciples are afraid, and they wonder, where is, where is Jesus? And consider, even that summary was one entire sentence, perhaps with some semicolons here and there. It's so familiar, right? It's so familiar, it's so easy to summarize that story because we've heard it so many times. It's sort of like Easter and Christmas. It's hard to believe that we and staff are already planning Christmas, isn't it? We're already planning Christmas. Easter and Christmas and all the stories like this one is so familiar that we pastors and preachers wonder, okay, what is the nuance or the angle that we can come to the pulpit to not make you bored? And, to, and frankly, for us not to be bored with the text. 
Not that we get bored with the text. There's so many angles, but what is that aha moment? What is that aha moment in this text? And I wonder. I wonder if the familiarity is the point of the story. Jesus takes a nap. He takes a nap. Because he knows what any of his disciples then and now will do. In the midst of storms raging around, he expects that they and we will be afraid, I would, would be anxious, would be worrying, would be wondering, where is God? Where is Jesus? He expects that familiar response. And we would expect no less from Jesus in his familiar response because, remember, the gospel according to Mark is rapid fire. He goes from place to place. He's tired. And what do you do when you're tired? I've come to appreciate these last 15 months of, frankly, taking a nap. My family can testify that I take at least one or two naps, sometimes 15 minutes, sometimes 30, maybe sometimes an hour, maybe two hours. But the expected response is that when you're tired, frankly tired, you take a nap. Familiar responses. And that's what they find Jesus literally doing asleep. Our reaction and our response is an expected familiar reaction as with Jesus. And so when they rouse Jesus from his nap, he does what is expected, but it's expected because we know on the other side of the resurrection, as the early church came to appreciate and did, that on the other side of the resurrection that discloses Jesus Christ, who is and was and will forever be among us, is the one that when he wakes up, when he decides to act and he will, he will still the storm. And the storm will, must, and shall listen. Why? Because of the familiar promise that goes back, even way back in the Old Testament, the Lord is the Lord of the weather. The Lord is the Lord of the storms. The Lord is the Lord of everything and anyone and anything that would seek to contradict, contravene God's love for us in Christ. Amen? And so the expected response when Jesus is roused from his sleep is, be still winds be still storm and what would we expect the wind to listen and so the divine response to the storm came to fruition we had those three heart issues remember cynicism over comfort commodification or taking people for granted our loved ones and god himself and that's why we need the gospel we need the familiar story of the gospel, Christ lived, died, and rose again, to address those three things again and again and again, because those three things, or a combination of it, creeps into our hearts, seeps into it, and, and it has adverse effects on our spiritual lives. Cynicism. What is the gospel's antidote to cynicism? When we say, it's always this way, it never will get better, there is no way that things that God cares. What is the gospel's antidote to that? To cynicism, the gospel says, here's the truth. 
you as human beings, we as human beings don't know the full truth. And the gospel says, here's the truth. The one who is the way, the truth, and the life. The one who shows what life is really about. The one by his death and resurrection says, you thought I was just that? The healer, the one who travels from this place and that place? The one who multiplies loaves and fishes? The one who stills a storm? Yeah, I'm that. But that's only a little piece. I'm the one who dies and rose for you. The one who, who gives hope. The one who pierces through every space and arena of life and vanquishes sin, death, and evil in all of its shadows. That's how the gospel addresses our cynical hearts. To the second, the second of overcomfort, where we are so comfortable, what does the gospel do? The gospel rouses us from our sleep when we get too comfortable. The gospel wakes us up and says, oh no, the Spirit's speaking to you. The Spirit is speaking to you, those online. The Spirit is using the word maybe to nudge you with an elbow, maybe to shake you and say, remember who you are and whose you are. That's what happens when we get too comfortable. God uses whatever means. Scripture says even the stones will shout if God has to use stones to wake us up, to tell us again of God's decisive love for us in Christ. To that third, that third result, that third heart issue of commodification, of using other people, of taking them for granted, what's the antidote to that? The antidote is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That's so cliche, but you know what? That's at the heart of our faith, thanksgiving. That's why this table is always here, Thanksgiving, a table of Thanksgiving, that everything that we have, everything that we ever will have, everything that we are, everything that we ever will be, all of our hurts, all of our wounds, our past, our present, our future, are given to us, you and I, by God. As I said at the beginning of this worship service, James 1.17, the Father of lights from whom every good and perfect gift comes, where there is no shadow of turning in him. The antidote to commodification, taking one another and God for granted is thanksgiving. In fact, the scriptures are replete with that. Give thanks always, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. All those familiar sources of our faith, all of those familiar places that speak they're familiar, but yet they still have this transforming power. John 3.16, right, the most famous verse in all of Scripture, continues to change lives. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Perhaps there's someone here who has, is now hearing that for the first time or the umpteenth time. Let the Spirit renew and reconstruct faith. The familiar Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. We never get tired of saying that. The Apostles' Creed that we'll be confessing and affirming in a few minutes. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, for generations, for two millennia, continues to nourish and nurture and strengthen faith. The old hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. In almost every hospice encounter, in almost every deathbed, when we sing that song, 
for those who are lying there on their final minutes or hours or days can mouth those words, the familiar songs of promise, nourish faith. And so consider the fruits of the gospel. When the gospel, the familiar promises of the gospel erupt in our hearts, intrude in our lives, consider the familiar when we use the word always and never. He never says thank you. She always interrupts. They will never compromise to make peace. There will always be war and corruption. There will never be racial justice. She will forever be unforgiving. He never listens. My child never visits me. We are always going to be stuck. Fill in the blank with your always or never. But we know, and the scriptures testify again and again, the appearance of gospel truth. The appearance of God's love and the God of love that surprises us with the familiar, that transformed loved one, the forgiveness offered, the peace treaty signed. In the season now of this this season of commencement and graduations. I recall my own high school graduation years back. I won't say what year. One of my dear friends who graduated near the top 1% of our class at Lowell High School in San Francisco, he was a cynical guy. He was a cynical guy, an ag agnostic. A beloved friend who went off to be and is still a medical doctor. About three years ago, he and his wife and, and sons visited us, our family at Carlsbad, at our home. And he's one who always keeps in touch ever since we graduated. Uh, Christmas cards, Christmas greetings, my birthday. And as we were walking, as he was visiting, he said, um, Neil, I had a, um, a change of heart. I still want to be a medical doctor, but I'm enrolling in seminary because God spoke to his heart. And that just blew me away. As I stood there aghast, Dr. Sim, who enrolled at Portland Seminary, not to be a Masters of Divinity and Reverend Doctor, but to be Dr. Sim, medical doctor, child of God, redeemed by Jesus Christ, empowered by the Spirit to share the word. What is God doing in your life and mine in a world that looks and is so challenging and crazy and strange, but is in so many ways familiar? In so many ways, we are still carrying on, but which the life of faith and God's love erupts and shows itself and God's self to us. How is God speaking to you in the familiar and in the surprising moments? Let us pray. Truly, God, we give you thanks and praise for who you are and who you are to us in Jesus Christ. Through the familiar circumstances and happenings of our lives, O oh God, you surprise us at every turn. With your great and generous love, the joy that you give to us in Christ and your spirit, continue, O oh Lord, to work in our lives 
transforming us and calling us to serve you, to love you, and to love one another. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Will you please join me as we affirm our faith by reading together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Today is a special day for us as a, as a congregation. Not only are there uh, no more fish bowls, those um, plexiglass enclosures, something for us to celebrate, I do want to uh, extend the thanks uh, to our colleague. And if you would turn, and those in the, uh, in, joining us by live stream, you can't see, but we're giving thanks to Adrian Narlock, our colleague, our creative design specialist, who is just fantastic, who has, by his, by his skill and giftedness and real resilience has uh, navigated us through just his skill and uh, Drew Middleton on the soundboard and uh, Holly Crawford who keeps us in order in so many ways. Um, and, and to uh, Gustavo and to all of the custodial staff, uh, the music staff, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we have a new addition to our AV staff, uh, Alex, uh, who joined us today. As, um, so he, he's joined the staff team and we welcome Alex um, in our midst. Today is also a very special time in our congregation annually. Around this time every June, we uh, have Promotion Sunday. This is a time for us to celebrate um, all those from preschool to graduate school and everyone in between. Um, those who are being promoted, those who are graduating, those who are going to enter the School of Hard Knocks, uh, to enter the workforce and uh, pay your bills and so on and so forth. And so I direct your attention to the insert in your bulletins. If you're online, look at the attachment to your uh, online bulletins. All the names are listed there. And if you are here on campus, stop by the welcome table out in the courtyard uh, near the pergola. There is a table specially marked and pick up a gift from the church uh, to you as we give thanks for your achievement, give thanks to God for all those, your families and your support network, certainly this church that supports and loves you. This has been a challenging year. And so we're grateful for your resilience and your courage. We do have a Bible study that has been meeting concurrently uh, to this 10.30 service. If you go to the 9 a.m. service, they meet out in the Fellowship Center led by uh, Bill Hohen. And we have a Monday night Bible study that meets here on campus 6 p.m. They're studying prayer. All of our other Bible studies will resume in the fall, and so uh, we're excited uh, for those starts. As you exit, as Pastor Jan um, said during the passing of the peace, do share the uh, peace with one another as you exit, but also there are two tables there with baskets. Uh, please feel free to... Um, Drop in your tithes and offerings. If you'd like to mail that in, um, you could send it to the office or use our church app. We do have a church app for your mobile devices or visit our church website and give through the uh, church portal. 
Lastly, at the end of this week, our, our family, my family and I, will be um, gallivanting through Europe for extended study leave and vacation through August for about seven weeks. Uh, my wife and younger son will fly back after two weeks, and our eldest, who's, who graduated high school, he and I will, uh, will hike the Camino de Santiago pilgrimage, uh, 500 miles for five weeks. Pray for us. We'll share about our pilgrimage when we get back, um, but it will be a fun time. As God, who is the giver of every good and perfect gift, and we will miss you, um, is the one who is our good, good father. And so let us hear from the uh, worship team as they uh, sing and share that song with us. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. But I've heard the tender whisper of love In the dead of night when you tell me That you're pleased and that I'm never alone Your good, good Father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I am loved by you it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide, cause you know just what we need before we say a word. You're good, good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I am loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You are Good father, it's who you are. It's who 
many years ago, I was in the presence of a uh, Methodist bishop who visited Drew University and in the chapel as he was to let us out with a benediction and blessing. We were all expecting him to say something grand and wild, and he essentially said, you all know, you all know what to do, so get out of here. And that's what you're going to do. Love God, love one another. Please stand as you are able for the benediction and blessing. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly more, beyond we can ever ask, think, or imagine, according to God's power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus from generation to generation, now and always, in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And everyone says, Amen.